This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Hosted by Roscoe, the fanalist, Subby, Beaner, and Gardy Broder. Can you get an intro? <laughs> hello, hello, hello. This is uh, a little shorthanded group tonight. We got the two rookies taken over as there's some Easter family plans and then... Southey and Roscoe are at the game tonight, the home away from home for the Leafs. How you doing, Darty? Not too bad. I'm uh, I'm enjoying, I enjoyed a nice sober Easter dinner. I can't say the same for our pals, uh, Southey and Roscoe, who are probably, they probably had one too many wobbly pops at the game to be uh, present, even if they wanted to be on this podcast. And I heard... Ah, so- I was gonna say, Go ahead. I was gonna say, I heard that there was a, a some fellow in the stands as well that was lighting up, uh, you know, some uh, some of the devil's lettuce <laughs> in an Austin Matthews jersey. So you, maybe they got a couple of secondhand smoke as well. You know, <laughs> gotta love Canada; it's legal now. <laughs> so, Leafs are in Ottawa to take on the Senators for the final game of the year in the Battle of Ontario. They were in Ottawa because it didn't look like it. Right? (laughs) Look in the stands, it was awfully blue, and those Go Leaf Go chants were fairly loud. Yeah. So, Prince or King Eric, depending on who you are, Mr. Shalgren got the start in net, giving uh, Campbell a little extra time to heal up. Hall, unfortunately, comes back in as Muzzin (laughs) is, uh, Muzzin is dealing with something not concussion related, so that's good. And yeah, we'll get right at it at 14-14 of the first. Timothy Stutzel with his 19th opens up the scoring after a two on O. Now, Darty, were you watching this one or were you listening at this I, point? You know what? I had to listen. I was, you know, a party foul. I was at the dinner table and right after they said grace i literally put the uh, earphone in my in my ear so i could listen to the game i was just munching on you know the easter easter feasts but also listening to the sweet voices of joe bowen and also the alpine credit commercials that happened to come on i don't care i gotta listen to the hockey game so but i did i did hear Absolutely. that uh you know this this German kid for all the theatrics that he puts on, you know, he still he still puts on a good show. He can definitely score. That's that's for damn sure. All five Leafs were caught down below the faceoff circles, and it just felt like that the whole so, game they're kind of playing a little lazy at points. Like it just seemed like there was a lot of stupid defensive moves, and not necessarily by you know to our chagrin Hall. I think Brody kind of had some of that too. Would you not agree? He kind of took the blame there as well. Yes, he... See, Brody's in a tough situation here because he's been used to, over the last couple of weeks, playing with a whole bunch of different partners. And Muzzin wouldn't have done what Hall did, especially not if Brody was already in. Riley wouldn't have done it. Labushkin wouldn't have done it. Um, I know it sounds like I'm being very negative towards Hall here because <laughs> I have a history of doing that on this podcast. But... He was the last man back. The defense changed after the forwards, and they were the last ones coming in. Hall was the last man back. Puck got dropped to him. Perfect opportunity to shoot, and he passed. And he miffed on the pass, and a 2-on-0 to Chuck and Stutzel. So, like, Shogren had no chance at it, but he still almost got it. 
and it opened up the scoring. It was a really bad play that if I was the player who is consistently being bashed in the media and who just sat out and the team had probably one of the best games by all six defensemen that they've had maybe all year, I definitely wouldn't have made that move. Yeah, it just seemed like I said, you know, I sometimes you got to see things, but from, you know, the the blessing we have with Joe Bone is the way he just describes things. And you can just feel in the, the timbre and the tone of his voice, like, you know, when someone's doing a boneheaded move, especially because you can imagine it considering our history with Hall. And just, it seemed like it was just a like one of those, I put it as a Jake Gardner-esque move, just, you know, just get it off my hands so someone else can deal with it. And then Brody's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and they get caught off guard, right? And like Bowen's, he's like, what is going on here? Just a two on O, like, absolute like what's what's Shalgren going to do right especially because like here in Leafs Nation we'd love to destroy our, our goaltenders but what bad can we say about Eric Shalgren who I said everybody seems to think that I like to talk dirt about the guy I just I just know he's a rookie the guy is not an NHL goaltender like he's he's showing up like one but like history has shown that like this guy's what how many games has he played now like it's not it's, is it less than 10 still or are we <laughs> Um, we're getting right around the 10 mark. I know he's no, he's no Hutton. (laughs) No, you know what? He's definitely, he's definitely above Hutton right now. He's got, he's got some, uh, as a leaf, you know, he's definitely, he's, he's shown, uh, he's shown some grit and, and moxie, but, uh, especially this game, but like my point through this, um, word salad is that like, we can't really blame Shalgren for anything. We like, who's going to sit here and say, oh, Shalgren's a terrible goaltender it wasn't his choice to be in this position. Like he didn't ask for this, right? Like this game, if there's a lot of like, you know, he could have bad placement, but at the end of the day, like it's that, you know, the fact that it was a two on O on Shalgren, it's like, we're going to like, if you're Hall, like you should have been paying much better attention, you know, before you came to this game, because this is going to end up on you, right? It's not, no one's going to blame Shalgren, the young, you know, backup, backup Tendi for these mistakes, they're going to blame you. Right. And like, he already has a track record on every single media outlet for Leafs nation. Like you just, I don't know. It just seems like you should smarten up a little bit. Right. <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. Um, and speaking of can't blame them at 1525 of the first Del's auto has a blast from the point and Lily and to Chuck are battling out front. And the puck goes off Lily and flips up over Shalgren's shoulder, and it's 2 nothing Ottawa. Now, I don't know what it sounded like on the radio, but it didn't look... Yes, the Leafs weren't playing their best game, but it didn't look like they've looked against the Sabres type thing, right? Like, this didn't appear to be the same type of game. Oh, they're playing a, a basement, you know, cellar-dweller team from the league. They're going to mail it in and hope to squeak out a win. They had a lot of shots to start out. They just, there was a couple bad gaffes. And it it was unfortunately starting to look like maybe Forsberg was going to have another one of those games. And that, I was going to say, like, that's what happens with, like, it seems with the, in these games, these, uh, these goaltenders on these bottom feeder teams kind of show, you know, that they have, that they're actually NHL caliber goaltenders, right? And uh, at least love to get goalied. At least love to get goalied by these bottom feeder teams. But, we t- I say a word like bottom feeder, but again, we got Tim Tim Schnitzel, Tim Stutzla, who is you know already making a name for himself, whether it's a good name or a bad name. We have Brady Kachuk, who you know he's a Kachuk brother, he's a Kachuk son. Like you 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 don't want to you don't want to ever like put that past him. And then like 
this is speaking of him is it is it sorry is it just me or does he look like sloth from the goonies he does look like sloth from the goonies like every single time a camera pans to him he's doing some weird facial expression like he just had the worst bowel movement you could ever imagine and he he looks like sloth from the goonies like i don't want (laughs) to i don't want to be insensitive here or anything but like look if he if he's listening to this podcast like i'm sure like he's probably got a you know an absolute rocket for a girlfriend and you know he's tall guy (laughs) probably hits the gym you know he probably you know (laughs) probably beat us in the club back you know back in our clubbing days but uh he's still kind of he's got that albinism i think he's just got the really curly uh curly yellow hair blonde locks and the blue eyes so it just And especially you've Man. seen that picture where it looks like he's got the Franken. They're like adjusting his helmet and he looks like Frankenstein getting his neck neck adjusted. But again, like, yeah, ab- absolutely. As as dopey as he might look like the guys, he's a he's a Kachuk through and through and he plays a, a hard, hard game of hockey. I think it was back in 2019. He opened the scoring for the season, if uh, I remember correctly, against the Leafs. I think we still won the game, but, uh, you know, he was he got the first goal because I remember I had him on my Yahoo fantasy and I was like, Okay, okay. This guy might might, you know, might be a good player. <laughs> yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I think he might even be the better of the Kachuk brothers. He's definitely like um, the, he seems, you know, cuz uh Turtle Turtle Chuck, the uh, the other brother was uh I, I feel like Brady's does it's not the one to turn down a fight and that's probably what makes him a little bit more grittier, but uh you know, to get back to the first period yeah, not a good look for the Leafs anyways, because like a 2 nothing. And what did I say at, on the other podcast? I said five, a 5-2 loss, right? So already everyone's like, oh my God, Darty's getting it right again. <laughs> yes, you did. You definitely did call that they were going to lose this one. Um, I think maybe Johnny was a little nervous that you were going to be right, considering he was in the stands. He's like, what did I buy these tickets for? He told me the game. I should have listened. <laughs> absolutely so then uh in the second period right right to start things off clifford with a beautiful tip in front from i i gotta give it to him he did one thing nice justin hall with a nice little shot on net clifford with the redirect and cuts the lead in half 2-1 and it looks like geo got uh he must have touched the puck at some point because he got the assist on that as well and uh yep geo had the secondary and you know what? Like, uh, I guess it was uh, foreshadowing, <laughs> if you will. Nobody, I don't think anybody expects uh, spe- expected the game to end the way it did. But uh, you know, not a bad pickup from uh, Kyle Dubis. Uh, you know, <laughs> glasses man bad, is right? It, absolutely. I always think of just what is it? The SpongeBob mean where the the letters are always all mismatched and making fun of people. Um. Hands down, is this already the best deadline acquisition since the lockout? Like for our team, for yeah, sorry for the Leafs. Yeah. Yes, like as there were so many people, like Roscoe and uh, the rest of the team were were kind of sifting through the tweets, and we could see all the vitriol and the hate for for Mister Dubis. But uh, considering where we're at now, like yeah, he might he might be considered a relic or a fossil in this league. But uh, he's you know just like how we saw Spezza kind of shine last year when we needed him most. Geo is really in so many ways paying you know 
paying the dividends for this team. And uh, even though we got another, you know, we got scored on again to make it a three one by uh, uh, Gambrel. I said I don't pay attention. Dylan Gambrel. Yeah, Gambrel. Uh, Which yet again, by the way, that was a beautiful tip as well. Austin Watson with the shot from the point and like Shalgren, same theme of the night. Shalgren had no chance on this one. Yeah, the Ottawa, Ottawa Senators were thirsty, right? And again, like, if, you know, I can't, I'm not going to blame Shalgren for anything that happens for the rest of the season. Maybe next season I'll start putting, you know, more pressure on him. But like right now it's like, just do your best kid. Do whatever, you, you know, whatever you got to do. Because he's our yep. backup, backup tendy. <laughs> just give, give Campbell a chance to rest in the net. And you don't have to shut the door. You don't have to stop every single shot coming your way but you need to at least let him mentally know that he doesn't have to worry about coming in that night. And, and these guys, if you... these guys love playing this like run and gun style hockey anyways, right? Like you said, you don't need, to, you don't, you don't need to have a shutout every night. You just need to keep us in the game. Right. And there was points where it looked like we were going to lose, but this is the Leafs team that comes out gunning. And just uh, we're, as I want to get back to my point about, about Gio and his like little assist. Well, then he, you know, the boys go hunting and Michael is bunting with an assist from Giordano again. <laughs> yeah. Gio throws it out front and bunting bats it in for his 23rd of the year. And yeah, bunting is slowly making his way up the points in a rookie season leaderboard for the Leafs. He's in the top, I believe six now, but he's uh, his line mates are up there as well so he's got some elite company what's it gonna take for you to put him over over cider you just sipping cider over there you don't want to you don't want to start bunting no it's it's i believe me i want bunting to win it there was way too long of a drought for the leafs winning trophies of any kind you had gilmore in 93 he won the selkie for best defensive forward and that was in a hundred and what was it, 123-point season, something like that? And he still won best defensive forward, which is insane. He was hands down the best forward in the league that year. And then you had, I believe it was Jason Blake, won the Masterton Trophy when he was with the Leafs. Excuse me. But aside from that, the first trophy was Matthews winning the Calder. And that was the first one in years, like decades so he goes matthews goes and wins the rocket richard trophy last year for most goals and i'm being a little greedy but it's nice seeing leaf players win some hardware exactly i i would love bunting to win it i just i know history wise yes defensemen don't often win rookie of the year but for what cider is doing on the horrible team that is the red wings this season I, I I would love to be proven wrong, but I don't think that Bunting's going to get it. And you know what? Like I said, uh, it's totally totally justified. And of course, like you know, this league, it's not. I, we wouldn't be getting screwed out of it. Like again, this guy's this kid's you know of age, <laughs> and he's playing you know amazing defense on a bottom feeder team, right? So like you know, like and mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of people who are going who are going to take uh, Bunting's age into consideration, right? Like that might be a huge reason why they would vote against that. Which they shouldn't, because they didn't for Kaprizov and they didn't for Panarin. Or they might just hate the Leafs too. Who knows? 
Well, this this is true. And Kaprizov and Panarin both had years of professional hockey at the KHL. Now, uh, I want to skip ahead to a Twitter question. There was a Twitter question by uh, a little-known fan of the show. Uh, I think he goes by TML Fan and Van. Could you read what he asked us? (laughs) So, I will first read the next score. At 1833 of the second, Magic Mitch Marner, as Roscoe calls him, gets his 32nd of the year from Brody. So Brody walks in from the point, has the puck, nice little drop pass as Marner swings out to the point, and Marner rips it. Like just a blast from the point. Beautiful goal. And that prompted um, his current handle is Ghost of the Ghost of Rick Vives record, but at TML Fan and Van. Is Mitch Marner good from Marty to Darty? <laughs> Even though he's definitely still overpaid, <laughs> um, I'm going to say Mitch Marner is underrated. <laughs> Do I believe that? Uh, you know, like we'll see, we'll see how he goes in the playoffs, right? Like if he, if he absolutely goes on a tear, like him and, and the rest of that first line, like what are we going to say? Right? Like we can't really say anything bad, but if they have a showing like last year, ugh. but right now, like they're just, they're wild, right? We're getting scoring. Like, you know, it seemed like everybody's expecting it from Matthews. And now like we had a game where it was like, what, like, Two goals from was it two goals from Bunting? Two goals from it was all the all the left wingers. Two goals from Nylander. Two, <laughs> it's like and McKay and McKay yeah, exactly game. yeah like, and then you get Marner showing up here. We had our scoring opened by Kyle Clifford, who only games ago we wanted him out. We wanted him gone. <laughs> We're like this was this was a great experiment in bringing strength and and uh, and toughness to the to the game. But now we don't need it anymore. Well, clearly we do because he's the guy who opened. Like there was a game where Simmer opened the scoring for us. Now Clifford's opening the scoring for us. And you know what? Like if that's what it takes to get the boys uh, boys going, and you know you get Bunting, Marner, and and then I guess I don't want to skip ahead too far, but then Marner again, like. <laughs> If, if it takes Kyle Clifford or Simmer scoring, then I'm not going to say no to that. Well, and it, it's the whole mindset, right? The Senators were doing a pretty decent job at trying to shut down the big boys. And then as soon as you have someone who shouldn't be scoring score, it kind of, not that it shouldn't, but psychologically it messes with your head, right? So yes, you're watching the dangerous guys, but oh crap, Clifford just scored on us. So now you're maybe toning it down just a hair off of the big boys. And once you do that, you give them an inch and they're going to take the entire rank, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because they're that good. Marner's sixth in league scoring right now. Sixth. Like, it's incredible. Yes, okay, Matthews is fourth. But, yeah, I'd I'd say, Marty, I'd say he is good. I I think that's safe to say. (laughs) He is appropriately rated. But you know he what? Is. So to cap this second period off, it's uh, <sighs> to say that like, okay, it's great that they tied the game. Like for any other, like, mo- I guess most Leaf fans will be like, oh yeah, they, they tied the game, whatever. But it's like knowing how they, knowing how these this team operates against teams that are well below their caliber, you know, we, we can actually take some relief in saying, okay, they they actually tied the game because if they were still behind in the second period, they were probably not going to win. 
No, you're right. And even Luke man brought it up in our uh, discord chat that we have just saying that if, you know, it, it looked like after the two nothing goal, they kind of said, you know what? No, we like, we believe in ourselves that we can do this and we shouldn't be losing like this. And they definitely stepped it up and the Clifford goal. I don't know if it's because it was his first of the year or just the style of goal that it was, but it, it woke the boys up and they immediately started to play with a little more pep in their step. That's for sure. And uh conspiracy theory moment here, but uh, I feel like if we, if we just blew out these bottom feeder teams that like, you know, the local Jay Beagle of every team would just come and try to punch out, Austin Matthews and I maybe that's why they play so poorly they're like we just want to we just want to avoid you know getting uh, the shit kicked out of us by some uh, you know some guy who's going to probably going to be playing for the ECHL next year <laughs> it, there, there could be some truth to that but I'm, <laughs> uh, either either way I'd, I'd still rather lose to these ones and then have the winning percentage that they do against the teams that matter exactly because that's that, that's when it really counts um Move on to the third. At six ten of the third, your your buddy there, Darty Tim Stutzel, unassisted, broke up a Spezza one time chance at, in his end. Carried the puck out and brought it into the Leaf zone after a couple more minutes. Pressured Labushkin and and Bush has been around Justin Hall a little too much mm-hmm. and had a little <laughs> giveaway. And Stutzel goes in and buries it on Shalgren. Now you could hear the disappointment in Bowen's face, uh, like in Bowen's voice when when he when he had to say it was Labushkin, and even I was like, "Oh, it's Labushkin, not Hall." Like, yeah. but you know, I guess these moments happen to anybody, right? Like, you know, I don't want to be that fair weather. I don't want to be that like that, that that one Leafs fan who's just like, just like, "Oh, the Leafs can do no wrong." But uh, I think we'll give it to Bush this time that you know he just had a, he's had a senior moment, and <laughs> it's and everyone's human. I get that everyone makes mistakes. If, if I was out there, there'd be podcasts criticizing me of plays that I made. I, <laughs> I, I don't have any illusions of grandeur that I wouldn't be doing or causing massive chaos out there. But with, with certain players, it is every shift. Mm-hmm. Every shift. And I don't want to bring his name up again because I don't want to be a basher. But he went in for a hit in the first period. And he fell down and the player he was trying to hit didn't. And the player that he was trying to hit was like already off, off kilter a little bit. So yes, moving on <laughs> at 10, 06 of the third magic Mitch ties it again. Uh, bunting backhands it to the front and goes off of Mitch and in. When in doubt, go to the net, right? If if your your dipsy dangles aren't really working, if you're not getting the beautiful shot or the clean shot, get to the net and go to the dirty areas, and that's what he did here. And was that just a little touch from Matthews, or uh, did he actually have a big contribution in that one? I see the apple for Matthews there. See, there was a couple comments that that assisted got taken away from him as well. So it, it shouldn't have. But it wasn't like the, the Leafs had fairly decent pressure in the zone at that point, And they were pressuring because really since the Clifford goal, they had a lot of pressure. Just they couldn't really get much going. And then even even right towards the dying minutes of the third, Matthews had a beautiful chance to give the Leafs the lead and go for the win and just missed wide and sends it to OT. 
Now, were you still listening at this point, or did you get a chance to watch any of the OT? No, I, I was still listening, but this I was listen. I had my my HD listening ears in. All right, I had uh, <laughs> I was dri- driving home uh, full of uh, full of that Easter feast, and uh, I was just like, man, I just, I I need as much t- I needed as much time as possible. So I was like, thank you for blessing us with this OT because. I'm sure Bean is waiting for me to get on this podcast, but we'll get into how long it took this podcast to start in a in a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Google. We can touch on that later. So the OT was what you would expect an OT to be. Three on three. There was chances both ways. Um, couple good saves, couple missed nets. Marner had a nice one-time chance. Matthews had a nice little spinnerama dipsy doodle chance. And I think, I think Schnitzel had a good had a chance one-timer. too. Like we got pretty, we yep. got pretty close to losing this one. Oh yeah, there was chances all over the place. Mikheyev had a couple of nice chances, and yeah, then finally, I'm gonna let the hockey hall of famer himself take this one away. Pass circles again, headed up on the wing. Here's again chance for Giordano. He scores. Giordano wins the game in overtime. Holy Mackinac, the Toronto native scores a huge goal for the Maple Leafs. And the Leafs <laughs> win an OT. Which I Gio. feel like never happens. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. It just it just feels like it doesn't happen that often. I feel like we somehow just, you know, we get the point and we're like, okay, let's pack it up. Like, <laughs> Well, we, we even touched on it the other... The other night, I, I brought up the fact that you can look at um, regulation wins to kind of see how a team's going to... Nothing's a set in stone. Okay, if they have this, they're going to be great in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But overtime in the playoffs is a different breed because it's not three on three. Yeah. And you don't have shootouts in the playoffs. So if you look at a team's regulation wins, it's a lot... Excuse me. It's a lot better of an indicator of how potentially they're going to fare in the playoffs. And... There was only two teams with a better regulation win percentage than the Leafs, and that was Carolina and Colorado. Like that's good company to be in. I'm I'm happy with that company mm-hmm. because when it comes to OT, the Leafs don't really have a great record. <laughs> I, got, I got no comment there i've just been too disappointed like <laughs> i'm just looking at the stats like you know what like man's not wrong i'm not i'm not gonna you know you're the you're the you're the beanalist today all right so it's just nice to, you know like i wasn't ex- you know when you're when you're listening to it sometimes there's those pauses because um especially with the three on three the line changes and everything happens so quickly and you know the players kind of just need to like set up kind of set up in their own end and then just kind of rush you know um rush offensively to hopefully pepper the goalie enough and you know usually they end up losing the puck and then it's back in the other end right and you're like oh crap we're gonna you know we might lose it almost feels like it almost feels very shoot shootout-esque because as soon as the other team has the puck you're really just like hoping they don't score because it's three on three right there's not that many bodies in front of the net there's not too much um to get into get in the way it's like most players will have a pretty good sight line of of the goaltender and if they can take the shot they will right i said stutzel had the puck and uh i think he just kind of whiffed on it or shalgren got in the way a few times but uh like good on good on him right like it's you know this this would definitely be the moment where you would show like your your rookie level 
I guess, in a three-on-three overtime, and he stood on his head, and the boys played, and, you know, I didn't expect of all people, Giordano to be scoring, but I'm going to take it because this is, <laughs> you know, I just, I felt bad for Ross, Roscoe and, uh, and Suddy when I told them that, oh yeah, like right off the hop five, two loss, just because of a record against Buffalo and, and Ottawa and, uh, damn, it's good to win. And it's like, I feel bad for them. <laughs> I feel bad for Ottawa because like the sea of blue there, like we just, it just, I don't know. I'm, I get very Arizona esque vibes that like, we just take over that stadium and like, maybe, I don't know. Let's, I think, I think hockey in Ottawa now with uh, Melnick gone. And like, I don't think we need to touch on the, the things that are, you know, the guy's dead, right? Like rest in peace. Let's, let's move on from that. Like, I know he said some, he said some probably terrible, terrible things, but I think looking forward to the future, like he, obviously he's not involved personally. Um, his, um, daughters i think may i don't know if i've learned if we've learned any new um headlines about that may be involved but uh if we can get positive growth for that team where they can actually have real fans and they can out you know outnumber us like that actually that would be good that would really be good for the league to have a strong ottawa team and they have the players right it's just it's just like arizona right finding a finding a proper home and then getting the fan attendance right no and it's it's a very valid point. So like the Leafs are probably the best traveling team in the league and they have been for ever. <laughs> like for the longest time, it was hundreds and hundreds of dollars cheaper to book a flight, fly down to Florida, get a hotel, get tickets to a Panthers game and go to a Panthers leaf game than it was just to go to a leaf game at the Air Canada Center. <laughs> or Scotiabank Arena, whatever you call it. So the Leafs have always been a very, very well-traveled fan base. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it the Sens have fans, and they have fans all over. Like I grew up with people that were Sens fans. I don't know what was wrong with them, but I did. <laughs> and it's... Uh, I don't know if it's where the arena is located as Johnny's touched on a couple times and I've been there. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. or if it was ownership or what it was now. Yes. Melnick had a lot of people, a lot of accusations out against him. I wasn't there. I didn't see anything firsthand, but there's a lot, Mm -hmm. but at the same time I read an article recently. Then this was over the last couple months that an employee who had ended up leaving the team, whether it being fired or quit or whatever, over accusations of theft, they were accused of stealing money. Melnick actually wired the money to get them out of Ukraine. Like, yes, for all the good, there is still, or for all the bad, sorry, there is still good there. So Absolutely. And, and that's yep. like the point, I, I just go to go back to my point, is I don't want to dismiss whatever the, any of the allegations are. I just don't think yep. that like, especially because it's behind a paywall, a lot of it, like I don't want to, to, to sit here and pretend like I know what happened or I was there, right? So that's why I say like, at least on this podcast, moving past all of that, because the man is dead, I can only hope that going forward for that team that they can continue to ha- hold a strong fan base. And, and if it means building a new stadium somewhere where people, you know, local actual local fans can get to like go for it. Right. Because you don't want to end up, we don't want a Canadian team of all teams to end up like Arizona. Right. And it's not, I don't think they're uh, in that position either. It's just, 
looking like I've been watching baseball and I've been hearing all this stuff about how they're losing their younger fans. Like hockey needs to be um, proactive on this too, right? Because like you start, you let it slide and you know, 20, 30 years from now that it's going to bite you in the ass. Cause as I said, baseball is having their own um, inner, you know, I guess they're reflecting on, on where the past 20 years, I guess, advertising and, and monopolizing and, and, you know, budgeting and for their advertising and whatnot, like where that, if that's paying off for them and it really hasn't right. I said, like, besides you and me who may know who Mike Trout is, like I can, I can ask, you know, if you go to an elementary school and ask a kid who Mike Trout is, they're not going to, they're going to talk, I'm talking about a fish. <laughs> they might know, no, they, they might know who Austin right. Matthews is and they might know who Connor McDavid is. And they'll definitely probably know who LeBron James is, but you know, uh, we don't, you know, NHL, is kind of slowly putting themselves in that position too, right? Because we don't have nearly the same numbers as, you know, even MLB, right? Yeah, there's there's definitely some strides that need to be made. And I think part of, at least on the NHL side of things, part of it stems from the top. Like we've, we've mentioned Bettman many, many times. And I think anybody who listens to us knows how we all feel about him. Gary. Um, thankfully from everything that you can see and read and hear it sounds like even if they did go through some tough times that ottawa is a franchise that one of the few canadian franchises that bettman actually would stick behind and i don't know if it's because it's the country's capital i don't know if it's tv contract wise what it is but there has been those comments before that there is absolutely no chance of relocation whereas in the 90s when quebec left like Quebec City left, and when Winnipeg left, those aren't that large of TV markets. Winnipeg itself is still realistically probably the smallest market in the league. So when they left at the time, it wasn't deemed to be that large of a loss, as as bad as it sounds. <clears throat> so we have one more question from Twitter. Um, at Mike the Fanatic, the Fanatic, sorry. Asked, has Matthews hit a wall? <laughs> what do you think, Dirty? I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's uh, he's just one of the kids in the hall. You know, he's just struggling. <laughs> and by hall, I mean Justin Hall. No, get your head out of the sand, all right. If you if you guys actually have a serious issue with Austin Matthews, like you just need to grow <laughs> up, all right. Like what? <laughs> this guy's a hockey player. He's a hockey phenomenon. You know, some might say he's a hockey god, but he's still a human being. All right. And uh, I'm pretty sure he got an apple in this game. You know, an assist is not is not too shabby. And if he didn't get it, you know, I said if ESPN is wrong, which we've known on several episodes that they're pretty shite with their uh, their score updating and uh, points updating and whatnot, then whatever. Like he's pretty damn close to one. All right. He he played pretty well. Yeah, no, I I and. To to be fair, later on after a couple comments, he did admit that he was joking. He was just trying to <laughs> t- trying to poke a little fun and and troll a little bit on Twitter. There, there's a lot of serious not... comments attached to that, though. People were definitely like responding to that, and they were just passionate about his, you know, whether or not he'd actually hit a wall or not. It's like, come on, guys! Like, that's that's why this city is one of the hardest cities to play in, right? We all we're all so opinionated. And every, you know, one out of every 10 uh, Torontonians is a member of a Leafs podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
The only way I would be concerned is if you saw him out there and he wasn't trying or he was kind of just going through the motions, right? But I, I don't think we have really anything to worry about. Yes, it's been a couple games, and how lucky are we that if our first-line center goes a couple games without scoring, we're legitimately questioning something. Yeah, first-line first okay. center goes without scoring. <laughs> Don't worry, because Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford have got your back, all right? They'll start the scoring, right? <laughs> um, right. It's just uh, in any other universe, a game like this, even like a win like this, would still be one of those where you're just like biting your nails, like, man, we got to work these Leafs. They got to figure it out. But they're, I said, we... We've come to understand what their track record is. As you made it very clear, and I agree with you that uh, I'm not going to trade their record against actual playoff teams um, just to beat a couple of bottom feeders, right? Like, if you got to take the good with the bad, then whatever. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too greedy. Or I'm not. I would be nice. It would re- be really nice if these guys were in contention for the president's trophy, because that's a trophy, I think, um, if we're going to talk about this day in hockey history. Yeah, this day in hockey history never happened. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bean, but we've never won the president's trophy, right? No, the Leafs have never won it. So there you go, right? It, and so if we had won more of these games against water feeders, there'd be a pretty good chance. There'd be like we'd be a, l- a little bit closer. I part of me almost likes the losses here and there against teams that you definitely should beat because in a way maybe it helps keep you humble and helps show you that yes you can beat the good teams and yes it took a lot more effort and a lot more precision skill patience whatever word you want to use to describe it depending on the game but it just it maybe it reinforces it a little more that you have to pay attention to what you're doing and you have to put in a full effort or else you're not going to beat the good teams. Because even against the the bottom feeders, if you don't put in that full effort, they can still squeak out a win. They can still even run up the score on you. And maybe it's a good thing. We we won't know for a while, but that's that's the way I'm going to choose to look at it. And it's, you know, lest we forget that the Leafs have been beaten out of the first round um, and in different ways. But... We also don't like look how good that that Tampa team that came in against Columbus that one year and they got swept if I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly. Yep, they did get like, swept. But you know, unlike unlike the Leafs, that Tampa team was actually gold. Like nobody expected that to happen. Like for the for the Leafs, like yeah, nobody expected them to lose the first round as often, and nobody expected them to lose in the way that they did. But I don't think anybody expected them to go any further than the first round. Like there was a lot of you know better teams. And if, as Leafs fans, of course, we expect them to go to the Stanley Cup every single time. But for that Tampa team to get greased out of the finals, like that's that's where I think these losses make us more cautious of that. Because as I said, we have a history of losing. We have a history of, of falling short or not um, taking that next step when adversity you know comes our way. And sometimes, as you know, I don't want to blame the boys all the time. Like there's a lot of a lot of reasons why things failed, you know, Jake Gardner, but <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> that isn't the only reason, but um, for our team right now, like I feel very reminiscent. I said, we talked a couple episodes ago of that, of that Tampa team, right? Like we were really, we're really strong. Like they're, we, even though, even though we should be destroying a team like Ottawa, 
like we still even when we're playing our worst we somehow find a way to play our best right and there is said there's games where yeah that isn't always the case but then <laughs> then there's like seven three right like you exactly like you don't you don't this is not no, the, this no, is not the leaf team of the past right yeah no you're absolutely right and everybody has days like even i'm not a professional hockey player but i have days at work where I'm not feeling it <laughs> and I don't want to be there and I'm probably not giving my best effort and everyone's human. They're bound to have games like that. But I, I last year was probably the first year that we've had a first round exit that kind of really stung me. I think not only because it was the Habs, but there was a pretty clear path with the the way the divisions were in the COVID season, if you want to call it that. There was a pretty clear path to the Final Four, and we blew it. But but yeah, no, I I I agree with you. There's a a very similar feeling to the Tampa team from when they got swept by Columbus because they went into those playoffs thinking they could do no wrong and that's kind of how toronto was last year right like they dominated the north division they went into the playoffs everybody talking about the easy trip to the final four and they were up 3-1 as habs fans love to remind us and they still didn't do it so a lot of a lot of circumstances that definitely played a factor in it witnessing one of the most horrific moments on the ice that you could have aside from maybe Steve Moore or Clint Mallerchuk mm-hmm. and trying to come back from that and put up with that. Not to mention the fact that it wasn't just someone on your team. It was your captain. It was your second line center. So yeah, good, good times ahead and bring on the playoffs. And I know you're, you're dying to ask Darty that deserved to win a meter. <laughs> 69.7%. 69, so. all right. That's how we're going to, you know, we're getting close to the hour mark. Not really. I think we're at 42 minutes, but 69, all right. <laughs> That's how you know this was one of those games that absolutely, oh man, I just know the kids are listening. So it was a banger, all right. It was a, it was a game to watch. And I said with Joe at the end there, just screaming like, you know what? If we make it to the Stanley Cup, there better be because he's he's getting on the year he's getting a little long in the tooth like if we make it to the stanley cup finals you need to have like the paramedics like on standby because you know he'll have a stroke or a heart attack right in the middle of like oh let go leafs go we win the stanley cup like they're gonna have a defibrillator because he's gonna his blood pressure is gonna be through the roof he's (laughs) i can't even imagine like yeah I, I'm not going to even try and think about it or try and describe what I think it would be like because I don't want to get ahead of myself here. And as Torontonians, we were spoiled, right? Like we had, I think that was not like to go back just to the previous point about uh, Tampa and the Leafs and how reminiscent things are. It's like a lot of pressure in that last season because we'd already like this city had won and we'd won big, right? You know, the the Raptors, I'm repping the hat right now, and they're also in the playoffs, so I hope they uh, do well. I, haven't been pay- I think they had a game tonight, I didn't pay attention, so I'm going to check that out after. But, uh, you know, it was amazing. that I-, I was there when they beat 
Milwaukee and I was on top of a school bus, like in the middle of the streets, like just screaming like F golden state, we're coming for you, Steph Curry. And you know, that level of just passion, just, you know, cars getting destroyed, people hanging off streetlights, people dancing in the streets. Like if you don't think that's going to happen when the Leafs make it all the way, like you're kidding yourself. Like it's going to be a absolute, you know, riot. And so like I said, the level of disappointment for last year, like, of course, like it's just, you know, and that's how like to bring it back to when I was saying, okay, so Tampa got dusted, even though they were amazing. My my point was, is that like this Leafs team, these humiliating losses still in the season humble us. And I think that that's what's going to push us to the edge, right? Because we know, again, maybe the first round, <laughs> first round uh, exit should have humbled us, but this is a different team. These are there's the makeup, the chemistry is on a completely different level, right? We were saying, yes, uh, last episode, like Giordano, I was saying Giordano is who we thought Foligno was. Like Giordano is is so much more, right? He's just, he became, he, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I was a, a critic from day one. I didn't think that like it was going to be a good trade, all right? Just because I said he's an aging star. We've seen what happens with aging stars here. But I'm eating humble pie. I was wrong. This guy is, he's a captain in his own right. Right. Like when he's out there, he he has a commanding presence. He's not overbearing either. And I just think that I said when we lost to Varys last year, it hurt. But I think now with the way this team is set up, Bean, if you can agree or disagree, um, I think now with the way this team is set up, there's more chances for people to be leaders, even when someone like that goes down. Like we're not just crying no, and like licking our wounds if if say say Tavares or say Matthews gets hurt. We don't you know we don't want that knock on wood. But I think these guys are stronger now. I think these guys are more mature now. And God forbid, even like Jack, if Jack doesn't make it, and we have Eric freaking Shalgren and Carter Hutton as a goalie tandem to the Stanley Cup Finals, something in my heart of hearts as a naive Leafs fan truly believes that these guys actually might have what it takes to pull, you know, the intestinal fortitude to still push forward. And just that it said, even in this silly little game is starting to show. No, you're, you're right. And just look at the difference the entire defense corps has had since he's been there. And it's not just while they're on the ice with him. It's almost like they all kind of breathe a sigh of relief because they have, someone back there who's essentially been through it all aside from winning a cup or going to a cup final. There's not much more Giordano has to accomplish in his career. And he's essentially a defense coach back there, (laughs) right? Like really it's, it's what they did. They brought him in. And if he retires at the end of the year, just put him in a suit and throw him on the bench. Like, the team has reacted very well. And even though, like you said, he's aging a little bit, it's not like they acquired him specifically to be the guy, right? Like they still, we still have Riley. We still have Brody. So at worst, he's our third best defenseman. But even with the play of Lilligren, with the play of Labushkin, he, he's not even that like he's, allowed to come in and just enjoy being a leaf enjoy playing for the team that he cheered for his entire life and i think there's something to be said for that because he's especially coming from seattle no offense to kraken fans but they haven't had they didn't have a lot to cheer for this year they didn't have a lot to be proud of 
and a lot to look forward to coming into the rink day in and day out. So he's got a little rejuvenated by the move. And it's it's only going to work out in the Leafs' favor. So with that, um, unless there's anything else that uh, you want to bring up, I think we need to pay a little tribute to a Hall of Famer. No, you go for, you go for it, all right? And uh, I know who you're talking about. And um, this is a person that uh, meant a lot to me because of, uh, as I said, I was telling you earlier before the podcast, like my, my dad, not not the craziest hockey fan, but he's a Canadian like anybody else that grew up in Canada. You're not going to not hear about hockey, right? And the name he always brings up anytime he talks about those legendary players is none other than Mike Bossy, all right? And I didn't get to see him play, but he seems like an absolute beauty. You know, he played for the Islanders. So, you know, maybe he doesn't have that going for him. But yeah, I, I heard some. <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard some absolutely like he, you know, with if you're a fan such as myself, you know, from the, you know, I grew up in the 90s. Like you hear about Lemieux, you hear about about Gretzky, you hear about, uh, you know, Messier, Yager. But uh, Bossy's a different breed. Absolutely. Um Drafted 15th overall by the Islanders in the 1977 NHL Amateur Draft. He was a key, key member of their four straight cups in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, In 10 seasons, which were shortened by injuries, he had a notoriously bad back. Um, There was only one year where he didn't score at least 50 goals. He was... I'm probably going to say, without a doubt, the most pure goal scorer the NHL has ever seen. Everybody says Ovechkin, okay, the greatest. Yes, Ovechkin's incredible. And looking back at it, he's probably going to lead the league in all-time goals by the time his career is done. But even he didn't do what Bossy did. Like, broke in with 53 goals as a rookie and just continued to score from there. His second season, he had 69 goals. And the only thing that stopped him from hitting 50 is a bum back. His final year, he only had 38 in 63 games. And he was a shell of, of his former self. The guy was nothing but class. Um, won everything. Even after he retired, he was a great ambassador, not only for the Islanders, but for the NHL. Inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1991. And yeah. Tragically, two days ago, lost his battle with lung cancer at the age of 65. So condolences to Islanders fans and any friends or family of Mike Bossy. The the league and the world lost a legend, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, from everything I've read about the guy, he, you know, he wasn't... he He's, like, ahead of his time, right? Like, he's one of those players that, you know, had he been playing today... You know, you wouldn't think of him any different from a Mitch Marner or a Tim Stutzla or, a, you know, or a Leon Dreisaitl. But he played, you know, just to put some perspective, he wrote a letter to his 14-year-old self. And in one of the paragraphs, he goes, for whatever reason, some people will resent you for being a goal scorer. Other teams are going to target you big time. You'll get jumped from behind, sucker punched, completely knocked out by blindside hits. In the future, there's a serious injury called a concussion. You don't know what that is yet, but unfortunately, you're going to have quite a few. <laughs> and it's like he played in that era, right? Of that, you know, that 
Gordie Howe, like reminiscent style hockey, right? Where it, they just took it to the next level. It wasn't just, you know, a man's game anymore. It was now it's a, uh, we're going to beat the shit out of you style of hockey, right? You know, you start getting, this is uh late, late, late eighties. If I remember correctly, correct, correct. You know, early to mid to late eighties. He was, he was, he was his um, time in the league was. 77 to 87. Yeah. So yeah, he, D- different positions like he was a winger and matthews is a center but maybe even comparable to matthews because when bossy shot uh, you pretty much just assumed it was going in um one of the best first lines hockey's ever seen with uh Trache and gillies and yeah just com- completely ahead of his time and destroyed the league destroyed a lot of goalies and absolutely decimated goals against average of goalies his entire career. And so so Conn Smythe in 1981-82 for MVP of the playoffs, Calder in 77-78, and a three-time Lady Bing trophy for uh, most gentlemanly player. I said this guy's a beauty. All right, I said my 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 dad obviously loved him because that's the you know of all the names you know if I ask him a hockey player he's not gonna say Austin Matthews. All right, he'll I got a couple names that I, I just know because my dad always brings them up. Or uh, I said Gil Fleur, Chico Resch, you know, and uh, <laughs> and Bossy. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you're telling me they're all from you know they're all from the same era, but like <laughs> we're same team, we're same whatever. But it's just you know it was just you know. I hear those names and, you know, including bossy. And it's like, uh, we forget how important, uh, some of these guys were to what we have now. Right. Like you tell a kid about Gordy, Howe, they're just going to think the guy's an absolute goon. <laughs> no. And, and you're right. They will. Um, thank God for video, right? Like I'm, I'm young enough that I definitely didn't get to see bossy play. Like he, he retired, Years before I was born, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame the year I was born. But I've spent many a summer and many a nights watching old Leaf games, old Stanley Cup final games, you name it. I've seen millions and millions of hockey games and many multiple times over. And yeah, he he was a unique player and a very special player. And just the numbers are, are incredible. 752 games and 573 goals. Now that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have almost 600 goals and you only played 750 games, that's incredible. And at the same time, he had 553 assists. He had over 1,100 points in 750 games. Like it, it's baffling. If if he could have stayed healthy. The numbers that he would have put up it's the same same story about bobby Orr all the time if he didn't have the bum knees you know he he could have just destroyed the record books even more than he already did so definitely if, if you get a chance or if you want to look it up look up bossy look up some of his goals definitely well worth well worth the watch and we always talk about like taking stuff out of hockey and it's like you know it's it's hard to um it's hard to not want to make the game a little bit less rough when you hear, you know, Oh, Bobby Orr and his bum knee, Mike, Mike bossy is back. Like, you know, Eric Lindros and his concussions, right? There's so many players that, you know, had they, <laughs> had they avoided the hockey part of hockey, <laughs> they probably would be a lot, you know, be up there in the record books, but this is a tough game 
right? Like I said, these these kids today, they definitely do have it a lot easier. You know, I'd, I maybe maybe uh, Troy Terry doesn't won't seem to think so, but uh, you know, these these living and you know lost legends are they had to fight for what these kids like literally fight for what these kids get to play right now. Right. So, you know, going back to the point about to the future of this league, like we, I hope that we can continue and, and, and grow and, you know, grow positively too. Right. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and take fighting out of hockey or take this and that, like we may get to that point eventually. Like I can't, can't stop the train. Right. But um, I do, I do hope that we have a, a product that like, you know, for the future, you know, our future bossy, um, doesn't have to worry about a bum back or getting jumped on or getting the shit kicked out of him just to score 50 goals. Right. Yep. No. And even you look at someone who came into the league as boss, he was starting to wind his career down Stevie Y like Stevie Y is only 56, but you see him walk and you see him move and he looks a hell of a lot older because he paid the price. And This is a guy that just that's retired since the lockout. It's not like he's been retired for forty years. It's it's definitely a very physical game, and I don't think we need to lose the physicality per se. We need to lose the dirtiness, which we've touched mm-hmm. on before, and then the little clip that you read from Bossy, and I think that's from Players Tribune, if I remember correctly. Is, I yeah, think maybe. I read that before. Yeah. yeah, they do some great stuff. Um, plug. <laughs> please give us um, money <laughs> what are yes these yeah days, what, sure we'll take anything what, what are these days we're gonna plug a sponsor and actually be like, oh wait a second like we could actually make some money off of this <laughs> but back then especially you had so many players in the league who just were there for their brute strength or their physicality so a player like or or bossy comes in that can do things that you've never seen before and you do anything in your power to try and stop them. For Bobby, it was taking his knees out. For Bossy, it was basically jumping on him and trying to stop him. Like the guy could still score with a player hanging off his back. He was that good. Like we forget, but, like Gretzky, uh, Gretzky, for all the records that he had, like, you know, he had, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't quote me on this, but uh, for a good portion of his time, he had McSorley with him, if I'm not mistaken, right? And uh, McSorley or, or Semenko, yeah, he, he had a, a quote unquote bodyguard for a lot. And even his career took a major dive after or not not dive, sorry, a major downswing after the hit from behind by Gary Suter in the Canada Cup. And he realized and too, like he saw he took a look at, at Zadino frickin' Chara at what, eighteen years old, and he's like, you know what? I don't think I can do this anymore. I think that that's the reason why <laughs> I need to retire. <laughs> what do you say this used to be i think he got like a, a assist or something and he's like this used to, this used to be just like a weekend for me you know like <laughs> now it's like yeah that's like only getting only getting an assist uh, on, on a on a weekday like man i gotta retire yep but it, it did kind of work out nice for him number 99 to be able to retire in 1999 so i think they might have planned that one once his health started deteriorating <laughs> We have two minutes, or I guess a one minute left, and I want to bring up um, a little lighthearted story. Again, rest in peace, Mike Bossy. But uh, we'll end off, uh, we'll end off light. Um, did you hear that Sean Avery is going to, <laughs> he's at least, I'm not sure if he's going to be or if he attempted to um, to be his own lawyer, advocated for himself in court. At this point, nothing would surprise me with him. <laughs> um, yeah. That's uh, 
that's definitely an Avery-esque thing to do. So do you know what happened? Like why he's in court? No idea. So apparently back in New York City, he smashed his e-bike into somebody's SUV. And uh, he's been dealing with this charge of criminal mischief from the incident that took place back in 2019. And he was threatened with jail time if if convicted. Now, uh, <laughs> he was forced to appear in person. Well, because everything was done virtually, I guess, due to COVID, right? And uh, I guess at his most recent uh, at his most recent court date, he uh, <laughs> he's like, "I have a job, sir. I live in California," said Avery to the judge, as per the New York Times. I don't just get on a subway to come here. He said he said that to the judge, all right. <laughs> I, don't just, I don't just get on a subway because they're forcing. I guess he's living in California, right? They're forcing him to go back to New York for these court cases, and he pissed off his, uh, um, I guess, court appointed uh, lawyer, and he's like, "I want to advocate for myself," and the, and ba- he's asking the court for whatever this charge is for his e bike uh, crashing his e bike that um, he wants the trial by jury, and he's like, and they're like, "No, this is. I guess this is like a small claims thing, right?" There's you're not getting you're not getting a effing jury <laughs> and he's like well, okay I'm, I'm gonna advocate for myself then like i'm gonna be my own lawyer and they're trying to tell him this is the stupidest boss you are going to lose now and he's just pissing off the judge and it's going to be the same judge they've already they've already told him you're coming back to new york again so he's just in the most avery way possible like you know just it wasn't just it didn't stop with him uh getting in fatso's way and talking about his wife and his family now he's now now sean avery's pissing off actual judges and trying to be his own lawyer and you know i've listened to some of his uh his takes on on his podcast and oh man he's he's got some wild he he does have a really good hockey iq in many ways but then there's just some things that like he's he's definitely taken a couple too many hits to the noggin oh yeah and he's he earlier in the year he attempted a comeback for an ECHL team and then he was cut after skating with them like once or twice. So at this point, nothing would surprise me with him. Um, quick little update as the game ends here: Colorado just dummied Carolina seven, seven. to four, Ooh. and Freddie Anderson left partway through the third with an injury. Poor guy. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, we'll have to see what's going on. But I think uh, that's probably it for us tonight, eh, Dirty? Yeah, at a minute and two, and it was just us. I think the fans, uh, you know, they'll be <laughs> they'll be uh, clamoring for more fanalists and Roscoe and Sadi. So we hope you enjoyed they'll the be, episode. Be telling us to take a break tomorrow. Take, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be up in the press box tomorrow, right? Yeah, eating popcorn in Justin Hall's spot. Anyways, <laughs> have have a good night, everyone. Do 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 do. <laughs> and it doesn't want to work apparently. I'm pulling a Johnny here. I don't know why it doesn't want to work. Hey, there we there go. There we go. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night. Your night of post game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. This is your first episode. Please don't leave a review.